Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Wednesday, April 13th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. We're approaching Passover, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. It gives us a moment to reflect, to reflect on what's the higher message. What is it that we can take away from what some of us perceive to be literal events that happened in human history and others of us look at as if they are stories that can provide wisdom, I'll even dare to say. I'm one of those people. I happen to believe that within the Bible stories, wisdom is contained. Wisdom and guidance for you, for me, for all of humanity. And I don't take them literally, but I take them seriously. And I look deeply for those messages. For me, it happens to be that mysticism is the way to get there. So because I'm Jewish, it's Jewish mysticism. Probably the Gnostics in Christianity would be the closest perspective to the one that I most gravitate toward. But because I do a podcast about thinking for yourself, and because I do a podcast that those of you who listen know, I always address current events, but then I look for that higher message. I look for the takeaway, for the good news, as it were, for the hopeful, optimistic future, or at least for what we can do in the moment to elevate not only our own lives, but the lives of those around us. So I want to spend a little bit of time on the Passover story because I think it provides some important guidance, but I have to first go back to a little bit of history, history that's actually archaeologically confirmed. When we look at, when I look at the Exodus, the going out from Egypt by the Israelites, Exodus, that word comes from the Latin and it means departure or to go out from. So we know the ancient Jews, the the Israelites, went out from ancient Egypt. But who were the Egyptians? Who were they? In Hebrew, when you read the Torah, it doesn't say Egypt, obviously. It's in Hebrew. It's called Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim. So what is Mitzrayim? Well, Mitzrayim means to bind or to besiege. Mitzrayim was also one of the great grandsons of Noah, Noah of the infamous flood. Noah had three sons, and they were Jepheth, Shem, and Ham. Ham, who was the youngest, had a son, and his son was Canaan. He had several sons, but one of his sons was Canaan. And when you read the story of Noah, you read that, which of course they were the only family that survived the flood, You read that a curse was put on Ham because of something that happened. And what the Bible says is that Ham saw Noah's nakedness and mocked it. We don't really know what that means. There's some theories about what that means. But it it appears that it was actually Canaan, Noah's grandson, 
who performed what was apparently a shameful act. It could have been a rape. It could have been a homosexual act. I don't know what it was. Those are the theories that people have attributed to that event. But nonetheless, a curse was put upon Ham because apparently he laughed or mocked when he told his brothers what Canaan had done. And Noah then put a curse on his grandson. Well, it was from Canaan, the the grandson who performed the violation act, whatever that was, it was Canaan from whom the ancient Egyptians are descended. That's the bloodline. So Mitzrayim, which means to bind or besiege, is the word again that the Torah uses for Egypt. Why? Because Egypt represents something. Mitzrayim represents something in Jewish mysticism that we today need to look at. And what it represents is being bound, right? Because Mitzrayim means bound, being bound to the material world, being bound to things, to materialism. And we know, what we know of the ancient Egyptians is that they were incredibly materialistic. They even thought when they died, they could take their stuff with them, right? So they were buried in the pyramids with their gold and their jewels and their treasures and their cats and God knows what else, because they were so bound to the material world that they wanted to take it with them when they left clearly lacking in spirituality. Well, why is that important now? There's a couple of reasons. One, when Jews celebrate the Passover, we don't celebrate it as if it's a historical event. We are told in the Torah, we are told to celebrate it as if it is happening to us now. And while that may seem odd when you think about it, given that time is a construct of humanity, of mankind, and there really is no such thing as time. It was invented in order to measure distance, that time is a construct and therefore there really is no such thing as time. And if there's no such thing as time, then there is no past, present, or future. There's only now. There's only the moment that we're in. And therefore, then it makes perfect sense that all things are happening in this moment, And therefore, it makes sense to celebrate what we think of historically instead to think of as happening in this moment. So when Jews sit down at the Passover Seder, which is a long meal that retells the story of the exodus from Egypt, we are instructed through Judaism to experience that actual going out, that that freedom, that being unbound from materialism. And for me, that's the message of Passover. The whole message is being able to be released from the things of this world that bind you. And every year, it's an opportunity to release yourself from that. We're living in a very materialistic time, and we are bound. We are bound not only to financial matters. We are bound to the technology. We are enslaved to the technology. And ancient Egypt was also technologically very advanced. We tend to look back and think that earlier times couldn't possibly have been where we are. But Egypt was very technologically advanced for its time. Look at the pyramids. Look at hieroglyphics. 
they were using ink. They created calendar. They had clocks for timekeeping. They had organized labor. They had irrigation. They had weapons. They were into glassworking. They even had some understanding of electricity. There's references to high poles covered with copper plates. And of course, cosmetics. They began the entire process of women using cosmetics and even toothpaste. So let's not think that they were in any way less technologically developed for their own time. So they were bound to that too. They were bound to all that materialism, just as we are. That binding that we are experiencing now is what's causing us so much trouble. It's what's causing us to not look at the things that we should be looking at, not focusing on the things that we should be looking at, but instead to be worried about, like the Egyptians, how much of our stuff can we take with us when we go? I mean, we're not really doing that, but in essence, we act as if that matters. You know, I have a friend today who texted me. He lives in Iowa and he's he took a day off from work and he was outside working on his farm and doing some external work and enjoying the weather. And then it actually began to snow, which is bizarre because I'm in Texas and it's 88 here today and he's got snow in Iowa. But what he texted me was the reminder that the day was of being outside and joyful and working on things around his property that he enjoys. And it wasn't a day at the keyboard tied to the computer in his office or worried about the IRS or, as he said, the FBI or the CIA or any of the other three-letter agencies that cause our lives to be encumbered. And that's really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that we don't do enough of that. We don't do enough of disengaging from the materialism. And I'm as guilty as anyone else. I'm not pointing any fingers here. I'm just saying that this is what we're doing. What Canaan did, what Ham's son did, was to violate a commandment. That's why the punishment was so severe. And the commandment that was violated was honor thy father and thy mother. So that when his son Canaan did whatever he did to his grandfather Noah, and Ham repeated that story to his own brothers, Japheth and Shem, he laughed. He in essence mocked his father, Noah. And the consequence of behavior that violated a spiritual law was a curse that was put on Ham and his descendants. Well, we no longer honor parents either. We disregard the elderly generally. The family unit almost doesn't exist anymore. We can look back and say, okay, so what was the harm? Well, Canaan did something to his grandfather that was somehow sexual in nature. So it was inappropriate, right? It was inappropriate based on spiritual law and spiritual restrictions that are put upon us. Well, we have a global network of sex trafficking. We also recently confirmed a new justice to the Supreme Court whose record of opinions in the federal court, the district court in which she sat up until her recent appointment, and in her prior rulings, is stunningly light in sentencing child sex predators and pornographers. 
And I think it's indicative of how unserious she sees those perverted and criminal acts. Again, back to Ham. After settling in Egypt, Ham became the god of the Egyptians. Horus is one of the most famous gods of the Egyptian culture. Horus was Ham. That's who was worshipped. So God was written out of the culture. And Ham, who had a son who violated his grandfather in some way sexually, Ham became what they worshipped. And it worries me that in some sense we're worshipping that kind of behavior today. We're worshipping sexual perversion. We can go back to Bill Clinton. We can look at Jeffrey Epstein, look at Harvey Weinstein, the Hollywood producer who sexually harassed and abused women. Jeffrey Tubin, the CNN legal analyst who masturbated during a Zoom. Hunter Biden, who perhaps even sex trafficking, we'll learn that shortly when the remainder of the laptop emails become known. Anthony Weiner, that former congressman who was the husband of Huma Abedin, who was Hillary Clinton's personal assistant. James Rosen from Fox News. I'm just naming these people off the top of my head. James Franco, the actor. Ben Vereen, the actor. Tavis Smiley, the radio talk show host. John Conyers, United States Senator. Al Franken, a United States Senator. Roy Moore, Chief Justice of Alabama Supreme Court, who had to drop out of a, a race because of the allegations against him. George Herbert Walker Bush has seven accusers for sexual misconduct. How can we say we haven't become a sexually perverse, godless, materialistic culture? And so we're living in Mitzrayim. It's not historical. And it is, as we are told as Jews, to celebrate the Passover as if it's happening now. Because starting Friday, for the next eight days, the energy of the universe is energy of unbinding ourselves from materialism, from our addiction to all things material. We get that opportunity because that's the energy that will be present during those eight days. Simultaneously, we have Good Friday and we have Easter Sunday around the same time. And isn't that a similar message about our lower selves and our higher selves? And isn't it also a message about releasing the spirit from the body and being able to distinguish between the physical world and the non-physical spiritual world. That distinction exists and it's for us to find it as best as we can while we're still in the body and then hopefully a higher perspective once we're out of the body. In the meantime, in our everyday lives, to try to do what we can to engage our higher selves, to distance ourselves from the perversion in every form, in every form, it's perverse to be so attached to, to the material world. It's perverse to teach children who are in first and second grade and third grade that they get to choose their gender. That maybe they were born a boy, but no, it's okay. You can now decide you're a girl. It's perverse. I don't care how many people say it isn't. It is. It defies nature. And again, I always distinguish between those few, and it's a very small percentage, who are born with biological parts that belong to both sexes. There are those aberrations, but that's not what we're dealing with now. 
We're dealing with something very different. And in many ways, we have become perverse. I don't say that we're all bad. I don't say that we need to stay this way. I don't believe that humans are damned or that we're sinful by nature. I just believe we're given free will. We have a higher and lower self and the free will lets us choose which one we want to participate in, our higher selves or our lower selves. So back to where I started, we're living in Mitzrayim. We're living in bondage. It's why Passover isn't historical. It's why our going out from this bondage, from this darkness is critical. There is a teaching in Jewish mysticism that there are 50 levels of consciousness, one being the highest and 50 being the lowest. And that at the lowest, you're fundamentally talking about a rock, something with no consciousness that is bound to its materiality. The teaching is that the ancient Israelites were at the 49th level of consciousness because they had become comfortable in Mitzrayim. They had become comfortable in ancient Egypt, bound to all the materialism. Even though they were enslaved physically, they were also enslaved spiritually. And the reason that they left so quickly, the reason that God took them out of Mitzrayim, out of ancient Egypt, so quickly as the story teaches, so quickly that the leaven in the bread didn't have a chance to rise. And that's why the story says we eat matzah, we eat flat bread that can't rise. Because if they hadn't been pulled out when they were, there would have been no ability to ever take them out of consciousness that was, in essence, a rock, forever bound to materialism. In many ways, I think we can look around and give some credence to the fact that maybe we're at the 49th level of consciousness, and it's imperative that we quickly move out of where we are. Because I think once you miss the exit ramp of the exodus, there's no way back. I'm hopeful that the message is inspirational. I hope that I didn't sound too tutorial or too instructive or too negative. I really don't feel that way in my heart. In my heart, I always believe in the highest good. And I always believe that in any given moment, we can make a choice that will change the trajectory of the evolution of humanity. Think about how you can do that in your own life. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again on Friday. And until then, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.